good to be with you this morning, and uh, it's lovely to see the children, isn't it? It's lovely to hear them, and uh, it's lovely just to see them grow up in the Lord. Today is a very special day, isn't it? Because this evening, um, it's not often maybe in the life of this assembly or many local churches do we have um, a thanksgiving or a dedication, not only for one little child, but I think there's four this evening. What a blessing, what a joy. It is, And I want this morning for us to think about the blessing and the joy that that is um, to, to be able to, we've thought about remembering this morning, and I want us to, to go to 2 Timothy. Um, there's so much um, in 2 Timothy that is helpful for us, but I want us to think this morning um, how that Paul asked Timothy and reminds Timothy to remember um, his upbringing. And uh, so 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 1. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And then over to chapter 2 and verse 2. Uh, we'll read from verse 1, actually, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. And lastly, in chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3, and we'll read from verse 10. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, Long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we know that God will bless the, the public reading of his word this morning. Paul wrote to Timothy from that prison in, in, in Rome. Uh, we think around AD 67. He writes to, to Timothy, whom he, who he looked upon as a spiritual son. We read there in, in, in chapter 2. We could have read many more verses to back this up. But, but Paul writes to Timothy as one that had a special uh, spiritual connection. That Paul had taught Timothy the, uh, the things of God, uh, they had spent many times together, and he calls him in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 2, a beloved son. It's a letter of encouragement. 
Uh, it's a, a letter that Paul uh, writes to Timothy. He, Timothy had spent maybe 15 years or so uh, with Paul on the missionary journeys. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul calls Timothy his beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Paul trusts Timothy. He confirms that in Romans chapter 16. Uh, he calls him his fellow worker in the Lord. And 1 Thessalonians 3, he calls him his brother and God's servant in the gospel. So despite being in prison, Paul writes this letter to Timothy to encourage him. Now, Timothy was young, maybe around 20 years of age or so, and Paul writes that verse, not uh, don't let anybody despise your youth. Now, we haven't got time to go into that this morning, but that's a lovely subject to encourage our young people. Timothy was prone to illness. He was very shy. He was very timid. Uh, he seemed to be that person that would lean on others rather than others leaning on him, and yet God called him, and he accepted what God wanted him to do. I want us to think this morning of the power of example. And so in 2 Timothy, we have uh, three different examples. We're going to think of one of those this morning, but before we do, I want us to encourage us as a church as a whole that, that, that Paul reminds Timothy of those spiritual friendships. So this morning you might be sitting here and saying, well, you know, I'm not a parent, so, so um, maybe some of what you'll hear this morning you might feel is not relevant to you, but it is. You might think that you're not a, you're not, you're not a grandparent, and so what, what some of the things that we might say this morning, you'll think that's not relevant to me. But all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable. We've read that this morning. So I want us to think about this thought just for a few moments that Paul encouraged him in their spiritual friendship. That, that, that Paul had been an outstanding teacher and friend to Timothy. They weren't blood related, but they were spiritually related, weren't they, because of the cross. I stood outside last night. We, we, I call it the Holy Row where we live because we're five, five Christian couples or families. Uh, we're the oldest by far, uh, even though we're still in our 40s. Um, and, and one of the couples that, that lives a couple of doors down for us um, got married a couple of years ago. And I was out last night talking to, to the guy and, and, and he said to me, he was just asking what I was preaching on this morning as he was washing his car. And, and I explained to him, and he said, well, I suppose, he said, even though we don't have children and we might never have children, we can still be a godly influence on children, can't we? And I said, absolutely, praise the Lord. So I want to encourage each one of us this morning, the, the, the blessing and the joy that it is that Paul brings to Timothy when he comes and encourages Timothy to remember what Paul taught him. Uh, and, and so the spiritual friendships that we have can strengthen us and sustain us. Paul then brings to Timothy the example of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. The direct gifts and blessings that, that, that God has given to Timothy. If we were, we're not going to, but if we go back to 1 Timothy this morning, um, uh, Paul would encourage Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 4, do not neglect the gift that is within you or stir up the gift that is within you. And so Paul says, yes, despite Timothy you being timid and shy and sometimes not well, Stir up the gift that is within you. Uh, and he encourages him throughout the letter. And so from the depths of the prison and the suffering that Paul went through himself, being shipwrecked, being abandoned, being despised upon by many others, Paul wants to invest in this young man. 
Why? Well, if we'd read chapter 4, verse 7, Paul would remind us, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. And that's what he wants for each one of us this morning. To be able to say that, whether or not we're young or old, every day, I have fought the good fight. And I'm finishing the race. And I've kept the faith. And so Paul wanted Timothy to carry the truth on to the next generation. He wants the truth to be maintained and not contaminated, not watered down, not changed. And as we go from one generation to another, it seems, doesn't it, that the truth is being watered down. And the conviction of Scripture is being watered down to to try and please others. And yet Paul says in what we read in chapter 2 to Timothy, Timothy, he doesn't just say, find people and pass the baton on. You remember we read there, he says, find those that are faithful. And invest time in them to pass the baton on, to teach them to the next generation. And I I highlight that because the first two or three years of our ministry in the south of Ireland, I I was running around, um, and and I say this reverently, spending a lot of time doing Bible studies, individual Bible studies, but half of my time was running around chasing where people coming. If they were coming, what time would they be there? And they didn't turn up and rearranging and rearranging and rearranging. And at the end of the day, you know, yes, those individuals need to hear. But you spend more time chasing sometimes. And somebody pointed out to me what Paul says here. He says, find those who are faithful. Those who want to know. Those who want to learn. As well as, yes, proclaiming the gospel to to the whosoever. But in relation to the context of believers, he said, find those that are faithful and invest that time in why to pass the baton on to the next generation. But as we come into the context of this morning, I want us to think not only not of the spiritual friendships or the spiritual blessings, but the example that Paul reminds Timothy of, of a spiritual home. Because we read there this morning that Paul refers back in chapter 1 and chapter 3 of the heritage that that Timothy had in his home. We read in chapter 1, verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. It is believed by scholars that, that Timothy's father was probably not saved, not a believer, and that's why we don't hear of that being mentioned. But isn't that a lovely thought this morning, that, that even though if that was the case, Paul or Timothy still received that godly upbringing by his mother and his grandmother. And so I want us to to concentrate this morning on this thought of our homes being a, a spiritual home. And I'm not coming to you this morning as somebody who has got that right. My there's three ladies in this room who will give testimony of that. Um, but I want us to think this morning that. The scriptures give us so much to help us when it comes to the Christian home. I've been greatly blessed and influenced by this book, The Joy of a Word-Filled Family, um, by uh, Dr. John Barnett. I'd recommend it. It's hard to get hold of. You can get it on Kindle. Um, But it, it brings some wonderful things. And in that book, a very simple reminder that he brings to us that God wrote the first book on the family over three and a half years ago. 
600,000 families plus were coming out of Egypt. They were coming of, out of that idolatry. They were coming out of, of that situation. And they needed um, guidance. They needed nurturing. They needed discipleship in the word of God. The need was great. And so the answer that God brought to Moses was the word of God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Drew has already referred to this this morning. But it's a wonderful passage of scripture to, to, to remind us of the importance of the word of God in our homes. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll start reading at verse 1, and we'll go down to verse 9. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, that means re to have reverence, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, uh, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be, with, uh, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and, shall, uh, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so the Lord brings to Moses here what to convey to his people. And it's really those thoughts in verses 6 down to 9 that I just want us to, to, to reiterate there this morning. Verse, verse uh, We had in verse 2 that we were to fear or to have reverence to the Lord. And not only that, but he brings in the family structure. He says, you, your son, and your grandson different generations of families he says be careful in verse 3 to observe it and it will be well with you verse 5 you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength how often do any of us myself included remind ourselves of that as being an important command in our lives so he says in verse 6 uh, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. How do we do that? Well, he encourages them, doesn't he, to teach the children and the generations diligently, to spend time in the word of God, to, to intentionally, diligently teach their children and our children, the commands of God. And it's no different today, is it? He says, you shall teach them diligently to your children to point them to. He says, and to talk of them when you sit in your house. How often, and I'm again, the caveat this morning is that I'm looking at myself first before anybody else, but how often... Do we talk in our homes about the things of God? He says, when you walk by the way, 
Now, I'm going to put it into the context of 2023 and change this to when we drive our cars with our children. And then when our, when our babies are young, when our infants are young, when our toddlers are young, when our young ones are young and they're growing up, what is it that we're not necessarily talking about, but what are we listening to in our cars? He says, when you lie down, when you rise up, uh, it was the, uh, at times there under Jewish custom that they would have bound portions of the law to their hands or, or in the front of their eyes. Why? Repetition, 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 learning, 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 teaching, teaching, teaching. It was in front of them. It was talked about. And I want to encourage each one of us this morning, but particularly uh, in, the, in the family setting. And for us, those of us that are parents, do we teach our children diligently the things of God? And we see in this passage God's heart for a word-filled family, a word-filled marriage, a word-filled life, and a word-filled home. That the word of God is center place in our homes. And you don't have to be married for that to happen. You don't have to have a family. You could be living on your own. And the word of God is, should be center place in our homes. And it's the same pattern, isn't it, today? But I wonder, is that concept of what, what the Lord told Moses to tell the people, I wonder if that is, is a regular you know, thing Drew, Drew's mentioned and, and very kindly opened up some of that uh, pattern in, in their home of sitting and, and listening or reading uh, some of that instruction from Sinclair Ferguson, from John Piper, uh, and, and the pattern is set there. But I, I wonder how many of our homes is this a foreign concept? To have a regular occurrence in our home of sitting and spending time in the Word of God. And yet we're encouraged and we're taught, aren't we, um, from the Old Testament through to the New, to do this. And yet we're living in a day and age today, and I mentioned this last time I spoke, and I'm guilty of it myself. One of the biggest dangers in our gospel outreach today, one of the biggest oppositions, one of the biggest oppositions to marriages, to Christian homes, family life, is simply... Distraction. Distraction. Not the world, but distraction. And so, so easily and so cleverly the devil has made it that, that so often we get distracted in our homes, in our marriages, in our, as parents with our kids. Uh, Skip Heisberg, who, who is a pastor in... New Mexico, um, I was listening to him the other day on this, and he said, many of us as Christians own our Bibles. Bible ownership is strong amongst you know, churches and Christians, but Bible engagement is often weak. We own a Bible, we carry a Bible, we, we, we collect dust on our Bible, we, we, we fill our glove boxes with our Bibles, and yet how often do we actually engage with the Word of God? And sometimes that can be a weakness. I know certainly with myself, it's a daily constant struggle to, to engage and to, to be, uh, spend time effectively in the word of God. Let's not kid ourselves. A lot of us struggle with that. And 
it's that intentional living, isn't it, to be able to, to feed on the word of God. Colossians 3, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, to allow, to invite the word of God to, uh, to come and to, to have an impact into our lives, to dwell in us. To, 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 the thought there is to, to be soaked up. You, you have a spillage and you get a cloth and it absorbs the liquid. And that's the thought there, that the word of God indwells us in our, in our lives, that it will dwell richly in our lives, in our homes. That we invite God, as it were, to speak through his, his word, to guide us, to get that help in our lives, to get that wisdom, to, 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 to know what to do in those times of difficulties. As in our marriages, in our families, we, we will grow. We will grow of one of two ways. We will either grow our way without the word of God being centre place, or, or we will grow God's way as we're, as we're centred around the, the, the scriptures and remember, we're not going to look at it in too much detail, but what we read at the end of, of our reading there this morning, that all scripture, the reading of scripture, is profitable. So Timothy knew what it was to grow up in a home where the word of God was center place. Now, remember, it was the Old Testament. And, and uh, if you ask most people that speak... Maybe, maybe not, but if you'd ask me, uh, I generally find it easier to speak on the New Testament. But that doesn't mean that the Old Testament is, is any less important. And you remember that when, when Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God, it's profitable, he was essentially referring back to what they had, which was the Old Testament, which is why I read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, to set the pattern, to set the tone. So he says to Timothy in chapter 1, verse 5 here, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that you had in your grandmother and your mother. And chapter 3, verse 15, that from childhood you have known the scriptures. Timothy had been under the influence and teaching of the scriptures since he was born and an infant. Paul was encouraging him to build upon this foundation. And you see this lovely picture that Timothy was one of the first, maybe not the first, but one of the first second-generation Christians that we read of in our Bibles. Well, actually, probably a third generation when we read of his, his grandmother and his, and his mother and then him. John Stott would say the most formative influence, for good or bad, on each of us has been our parental influence and our home. Interestingly and sadly, we're living in a world today where not everybody looks back on their childhood as a happy home life. And, and for many of us, we, we do look back and we are so blessed. We maybe don't appreciate it at the time, but we are so blessed as we look back and say, okay, I, I can look back and really put myself in the shoes of Timothy when I remember a godly mother and father, a godly grandparents, and I know that I was prayed for and continue to be prayed for every day. And yet, as we ministered to a number of people, particularly where we were for those years in, in Limerick, and people got saved and, and came into the, the church setting, and you talk to them about, first of all, you mention about a heavenly father, and you try to refer that back to, all of a sudden you realize that not everybody grew up in a home that had a loving father from a physical sense. So the relation there is you're teaching what a heavenly father, loving father relationship is. 
And so may we have this, may, may we have this encouragement this morning from, from Paul's encouragement to Timothy that regardless of what our upbringing was, do we not have an opportunity to start something new today in our homes, in our marriages, in our lives? To say, okay, maybe somebody will say, well, my upbringing wasn't particularly what Timothy had. But looking forward, we have an opportunity, don't we? We're blessed in this little church to have many young couples, young families, young children, and what potential there is. Amongst the older children, the teenagers, the, the, the young ones, there is so much potential in this room this morning and in the building behind us to instruct and to diligently teach the word of God. He says, from a child you have known. And really the, the thought there this morning is that, that, yes, he mentions the mother and the grandmother, but dads and husbands, that doesn't leave us off the hook. In fact, Paul brings in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That, that word fathers there, yes, it means the, the male parent, but when you dig a bit deeper, it actually is another term for talking about parents collectively, mum and dad. And don't be unreasonable. The thought is there in our parenting demands. Now, my girls might look at me here. Uh, don't be unreasonable in your parenting demands that would drive a child to anger, despair, and resentment. But he says, train them in the admonition of the Lord, of that systematic instruction, of teaching systematic discipline. It's not a, not a popular word today. Uh, that we are teaching and training them in the things of God in the ways of God, in the pattern of God. And I want to encourage us this morning, how much as parents, doesn't matter what stage in life, whether or not they're newborn, toddlers, uh, school age, post-primary age, you know, coming up through teens, how much do we actively, intentionally invest in our, ch in our child's spiritual well-being? Not only spiritual well-being, but in their well-being, in their teaching, in, 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 in regular things in life. For grandparents, how often do we pray for grandchildren? Proverbs 22, verse 6, a well-known verse. Train up a child in the way that he or she should go. Talking there about spiritual things. We know that, and we need to be careful of this, that as we teach and train, it's no guarantee, is it, that as, as a child reaches adulthood, that they, will, that they will definitely be saved if we teach them. And that they will definitely go on if we teach them. But what the Lord is asking us to do this morning as parents is to train and to be faithful in that training and in that teaching and in that discipleship in the way that they should go. And then we, we, we back that up, don't we, with, with prayer. Does it matter how we parent? Does it matter how we train them? Of course it does. I was reminded on, on Tuesday we met some people for lunch in Lisbon and, and uh, it was quite an interesting scenario. I'll not go into it in case the people were watching, but there was a child that was left to roll on the floor. Not, not the people that we were having lunch with, but a child was left to, to roll on the floor and, and literally shout and scream for a good 10 or 15 minutes. And however patient you are, it comes to the point where you kind of really wish that, that something would happen. Um, and that you know, and, and one of the one of the ladies that was with us 
um, reminded, well, not reminded, but just quoted that in her situation, one of her verses is Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up answer. And even in our actions, our reactions, our responses to things, we're training up a child, aren't we? Not only a spiritual reaction, but basic things in life. You know, some children grow up in life, and all they ever know is to shout through life. To shout at the top of their voice to get what they want. And and why do they know that? Because they've been trained, because that's all their parents ever do. And yet the scriptures remind us to teach and to train in the things of God. I'm not here to tell you this morning how to train. The Bible does that. But I want us to encourage this morning in that thought that we have a responsibility, don't we, in our homes to be spiritual homes and to be homes where we train and teach our children and our young people to love the Lord, to love the Lord's people and to go on for him. Do we have a regular time in the day when we sit down with our children? And I'm not talking about waiting till they get to school age. I remember when, when Anna was born and we lived at Eight Shore Road just down the road here and we were blessed that, that one or two people uh, in this room bought us uh, things like a, 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 first, a children's first Bible or a, or a storybook. And I'm greatly blessed that, that as, as parents that we, we made a commitment to ourselves and to the Lord that there would be that regular time, and I say that for no pride, but there would be a regular commit time in the day that we would sit down with our children to set that pattern in our homes. Some might say today, well, that's maybe a little bit over the top. Do you not know the pressures that there are today? I couldn't expect my wee Jane or my wee Jimmy to, 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 to do that and to take it all in. Why not? Sometimes we underestimate, don't we, the power of repetition and learning. We saw this when we lived in the South, that when a child goes into the, the, the national school system, from, I'm talking about from a religious aspect now, that the, the, the repetition, and our girls were excluded from this, but we watched and observed that the, the repetition of the ways of religion was taught and taught and taught and taught and taught. And by the time that child reached a young age, they knew the ways of the religious system. Why? Because it was repeated in them. And if we're not teaching our children, somebody else will. If we're not teaching them the things of God, the world will teach them. And more than ever, it's important, isn't it, for our children to have a solid foundation. And obviously, yes, it's age-related. We, 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 we're starting with those stories, aren't we? And I'm blessed with a, a wonderful wife who made those stories very interesting for our girls and put on the voices and the characters and, and made it exciting and, and different things like that. And even when I was away doing different things or Bible studies that I knew that, that at home these things were continuing. But by the time our children start school, the, the, the progressive left movement is starting at that point, if not before, to push another movement. And so we have an opportunity, don't we, to, to, to get these things instilled in, in our children at a very young age. 
People will teach our children at a young age that the Bible is just a book. It's full of errors. It's full of contradictions. It's a historical book that you might want to pick up from time to time, but don't let it, don't let it mold you. And as parents, we, we have the joy, don't we, of making that decision of just what we teach our children. We're raising our children today in a generation that essentially is saying the scriptures will be a hindrance to faith. We've got a generation-wide breakdown of trust in the Bible. The teachings of the Bible are at odds with the progressive mindset that we're living in. And if you're wondering what I mean by that, and I'm just being careful that I don't burst any bubbles when I say this, but something as simple as Peppa Pig has been put under pressure that they now have a co-parenting lesbian polar bears so that a character called Penny announces that she lives with my mummy and my other mummy. One mummy is a doctor and one cooks spaghetti. So she explains before viewers are shown the three of them sitting for a family meal. Now, our children were raised on Peppa Pig. We even took them, dear Helton, to Peppa Pig World in Portsmouth to see the theme park. Um, and it, if it wasn't that, it was Barney. And if it wasn't Barney, it was Bear in the Big Blue House. And from a spiritual point of view, Veggie Tales and Salty the Singing Songbook, and they survived that. But you get the idea. Something as simple as Peppa Pig. We're now being pressed upon by the progressive mindset. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to do with this. The scriptures will instruct us and teach us. But we have a decision to make, don't we, as Christian parents. And, and there are many decisions to make that takes time, aside from the pressures of family life, to pray about, to discuss. Because all of a sudden, you come to a decision that in my home, on my TV, something that my child likes is all of a sudden pushing a progressive mindset. What do we do? And thankfully, the more that we spend time in the word of God, the more that we spend time, even as, as that thought of spiritual friendship and spiritual gifts that God has given to us, some of those decisions are going to be difficult. They're going to be tough. They're going to be hard. They're going to make us quite unpopular at times. But remember, and I remember Jillian saying this to me all through the years, and there are many times as parents that we said no to things. And without compromise, look for those things as parents that you can say yes to. To encourage your children, to bless your children, because there will be times that the word no will need to be said. It's a decision, isn't it? To follow the scriptures or to be moulded into the ways of the world. We even had that with the whole subject of, of sleepovers. If you're, want, if you're wondering what to do as your child grows up with sleepovers, YouTube Tim Chalice, why, why my family still doesn't do sleepovers. And I'm not saying don't do sleepovers, but it's different now than what it was when most of us in this room were young. The pressures that come with, with, with things that are accessible at the touch of a button, going into a home that maybe we don't know. The list could go on and on. And I was a bit unsure whether or not even to mention that this morning, and yet on, on my phone this morning it came up on Fox News from America, the exact same title, not from a Christian um, person as far as I know, but somebody just writing the, the dangers that are coming into the, into the lives of our children today. 
And so we have these decisions to make, and that's the blessing of the Christian home, that as parents, you have as that standalone family unit, having, having um, left the, 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 the care and direction, as it were, of, of, of your parents uh, in Genesis, and you've cleaved together as a couple, you have the joys of being before the Lord to make these decisions. And uh, it really, I say joy maybe a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek, but it really is a challenge, but it really is a blessing as well. For those of us with older children, I, I, I quote some of, of Jim Crooks, who's been with us here. I, I spent a Saturday recently at a trustees meeting, and Jim came and spoke to us. And the whole thought was the battleground, Ephesians 6. But we're living in a world today, aren't we, where people are struggling with identity. As Christians, the Bible reminds us that our identity is in Christ. It's non-negotiable. That we are saved by grace. That we belong to him. We have a home in heaven. And yet, so many of society today, and maybe so many of, of our young people today, and this isn't a criticism, this is a reality, struggle with self-worth, identity, self-identity, affirmation, and so they're maybe waiting for the next like or the next share of what they've put on social media to make sure that that, that, that next little bit of, of dopamine comes into the mind to, to encourage us, to make us smile, to think I'm accepted. And the value of the family unit is being reduced rapidly. Under the progressive teaching of the, of the queer theory, you can Google that one, it does exist, one purpose of that is to destroy the family unit. Now, this isn't something that is coming in years to come. This is something that's here now. So, so the thought of, 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 of marriage being one man and one woman, out the window. The thought that a child could be raised or should be raised in a home where it's, it's, it's a mummy and a daddy, they are seeking to destroy that. And so there is a need, isn't there, to spend more and more time in the word of God. That as we are even teaching our children, that we're teaching them the things of God, the truths of scripture, so that when they start school, or when they grow up through school, that there is a level, age-appropriate level understanding of what the scriptures teach on some of these things. And as we try to bring this to a, a conclusion... There's so much more we, we could say, but just maybe just want it to be an encouragement this morning that it's not all doom and gloom. Because Paul said to Timothy, the scriptures have made him wise unto salvation. That the scriptures have pointed Timothy to Christ. That they would tell, and they tell our children, don't, don't, don't they, about the Lord Jesus and, and about sin and about Christ being our only hope. And what a privilege it is that in the world that we live in today, that we still have the scriptures, that we can read the scriptures, that we can spend time with a little baby, a little child, or, or even when they get to 14 and 18 and, and you're sitting down together around the table. And even if it's just for a few moments, but there's that time in family life when we're able to point them to the truth of the word of God. What a privilege that is, because Paul says here, he says, all scripture is inspired. It's breathed out by God. It tells us the things that God wants us to know, and it is profitable. 
In, in 2 Timothy 3.17, it says that the man of God, the thought there, the context there is that the preacher, as he preaches, would be fully equipped. But I wanted to bring it into the context of the family unit this morning and each of us as individuals, that as we read the word of God, for correction, for reproach, for encouragement, for teaching, that we, each one of us, would be equipped to meet the demands of everyday life as we spend time in the word of God. The digital age has taught us to read really for information and to read fast and to read on to the next and to read more and to read more. And yet as we slow the pace down and as we spend time in the word of God, it's not so much for our information as it is more for our formation. To form us into being and to conform us and transform us into being that person that God wants us to be. One of the greatest blessings and challenges in life, and I appreciate that not everybody is in this situation, but for those of us that are, one of the greatest blessings, but one of the greatest challenges is to raise our children. I remember when Anna was born, just down the road there, it was only a matter of a couple of days before we decided that we would throw every single parenting manual tip book in the bin and rely on the guidance. Uh, I'm not going to be very, I'm not going to be ultimately spiritual here because I'm not going to say to you we relied solely on the scriptures, but we relied on um, godly parents, grandparents. Uh, we relied on, I don't know if she's here this morning, but Sally uh, was a great help and influence to us at that time of just uh, confirming uh, a few things, guiding us, making sure everything was okay. What a blessing it is. But there are many challenges that face us today. And just as we think about tonight, and I want to encourage those that are parents that are coming tonight to, to give thanks to God and essentially to, if I can use the word, to dedicate their little ones to the Lord. We, again, I, I reference some of this back to this book, um, The Joy of the, the Word Field Family. When you look back to the Christmas story, you look back to Luke chapter 2, and this is something that Mary and Joseph did, didn't they, as they came into Jerusalem. And they came into the temple. And they dedicated the Lord in that situation. And we don't know how our children are going to turn out. We, don't, we can train them. We're, we're, we're reminded to be responsible and to, 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 to train this morning in the way that they should go. But when we, when we come and we, we bring that thanksgiving to the Lord, essentially what we're saying, aren't we? Lord, these children belong to you. They're a heritage from the Lord. And yes, it's that public acknowledgement that, that, that they're, they're gods. They belong to him. We rest in the joy that we're stewards of that promises of God's word. We can't guarantee how they're going to turn out. We don't know. But we can give thanks to God that he doesn't hold us responsible for, as they turn into adults, how they will turn out. What he holds us responsible for is how that we have raised them, how we have taught them, how we have trained them. And I want to encourage each one of us this morning. We have a great resource at our disposal, the word of God. And I don't think there's ever an age where it's too young or too old for our children to, to, to sit down as a family and just to be able to go through and to teach them the things of God. Because as I said, if we don't, somebody else will. 
And what a joy and a privilege it is for us to be able to teach them. And if you're not a parent here this morning, you have a, still have a responsibility and a job to do. You can encourage the young ones in our church. You can teach them, you can train them, you can pray for them. And what a joy it is to think tonight that, that, that we have the thanksgiving that we have. Let's just pray. I appreciate I've gone over time. I'm sorry about that, but uh, we trust that God will bless what we've thought of this morning. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. We thank you that we have scriptures that are relevant to 2023, the year that we're living in of family life and the joys and the blessings and yet the responsibilities that we have to have little ones in our home. And we thank you, Father, that children are a joy and a, and a heritage from the Lord. Father, help us day by day, each one as parents, grandparents, and everybody else in this room who comes into contact with the little ones here at church and in their own family circles to pray for them and to have that desire to see them one for Christ. And that, Father, the next generation would grow up knowing and loving and obeying God. Father, just accept our thanks this morning and for each one that's here. And we just pray for this evening. Just bless the meeting, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.